Welcome, everybody, to Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein. We'll be kicking it here every other Thursday, quenching your thirst for an insider's take to enhance your customer's experience. Grab your drink of choice, kick back, it's Sippin' and Shippin' time. All right, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein. And as always, I have Caitlin Postal in the house with me this morning. Hey, Brian. Good morning, Caitlin. How are you? I'm doing well today. Thank you. And and back by popular demand is Sean King from King's Vat LTD. How are you today, Sean? I'm good. Thank you, Brian. A bit uh, windswept over here in the UK, but we're getting there. Yeah. Well, look, you're on the cusp now. You're only a couple hours away from a Friday happy hour. So at least you have that. We're looking forward to it. Can't come quick enough. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, well, hopefully nothing blows down and uh, no, nothing nothing affects the tavern later. <laughs> it better not. <laughs> so, Sean, tell us, uh, we, we, we typically start out, if I can remember, to ask the question, uh, just finding out what our guests are drinking. So what are you, what are you drinking today? Uh, today I'm drinking Yorkshire tea with milk. Very nice. Switched it up on us. Sean, in your honor, we got ourselves some awake English breakfast tea. So you switched Fantastic. it up. Yeah. You can't, either- you can't beat it. That's for sure. Brian, what do you think? Is this your first, first no, go you at the I, breakfast tea? I like tea? it. I do yeah. like it. Uh, you, you know, my 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 coffee, I, I kind of took a little bit less coffee today because Caitlin told me she was bringing in some high energy tea. <laughs> so I'm giving this a shot. I, I, I really do like it. So great. The UK we discussed last week. And, and so this week we want to talk about the EU and the effects and impacts that Brexit brought uh, to shipping into the EU. And, and Sean, I guess a question just to start here is what, what's really the number one difference uh, if I'm shipping from the U.S. into the EU? What's the biggest difference between shipping into each? Uh, the biggest difference now is that um, you will have to register for VAT um, in the EU if you're selling from um, the U.S. to a customer in the EU who isn't in business or private individual, whereas before you didn't have to do that. And, and now when I register for VAT and I'm registering for the EU, is that a separate, that's a totally separate VAT than, than I have in the UK, correct? Yes, it is. I mean, the, the, way, the way it's going to work is that um, if you're uh, shipping out of the US, and it doesn't matter where your customer is in the EU, if the goods are valued, it's the goods are valued at less than 150 euro, um, which is approximately well, $180. So that's forget the shipping, forget the tax cost. Then you are going to have to register and account for the VAT. The thing to remember is that uh, Europe is a bit like the States, I suppose. It's 26 countries um, and they've each got their own separate VAT rates uh, and they apply those VAT rates to different, in different ways to different goods. So biggest, um, biggest difference is probably uh, in the publications. Um, some countries have a reduced rate of VAT, could be as low as 7%, and some might charge 27% on the same item. So there is a difference. So, yeah, you've got one registration now, but it will cover 26 countries. So there's a different VAT rate for each country that you ship into in the EU, and, and, and that also varies by category. So each one of those 26 countries has a different VAT rate for each category. So what happens if i ship from the us into belgium and then i want to ship to and then the 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 recipient in in belgium ships into france yeah well i mean i'll 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 use the ones that are the easiest ones always to 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 use as a highlight which is that if you were shipping into germany you'd pay 19 percent generally 
on the goods. But if you ship the identical same goods into the Netherlands, they would be 21%. And that would be, again, across Europe, the different VAT rates ranging between generally 19 to 27% is, bare, is, the, is the variance. And so, those percentages were already in place prior yeah, to, to Brexit. Yeah. Those are existing tariffs. Yeah, they're, already, they're, already, they're already there. And I mean, you know, this is, um, this is something that has been thought about. I mean, it, it's coincided with Brexit. You know, it's it's interesting because, and I'm going to ask the question. So, if if I ship to an entity, so if I am selling to a, a retailer, let's say in Germany, uh, and that and that retailer offers them up for sale, and someone buys that in the Netherlands, do they have to make up that two percent delta? Uh, well, there you have a difference. You see, because if you're um, selling it to a retailer from the US, then the, the problem of VAT really isn't your problem anymore. It's the retailer's problem. So the new changes really apply to business to consumer, not business to business. So um, what you've got is that you've got a different, you have a pricing differential, which you have to work out. I mean, if you use uh, something you'd all know, Shopify, uh, when Shopify sell goods, um, they will work out behind the scenes the VAT rate appropriate to each country. And they will apply that bat rate to each to each commodity. However, if you've got your own website which doesn't have a Shopify, um, then what you've either got to do is build in 26 different bat rates, or you've got to take a pricing and work out some sort of weighted average bat rate and apply that to your pricing and offer the goods for sale across Europe at the same price, bearing in mind some countries you'll make a bit, some countries you'll lose a bit. And could I? And I'm, I'm asking all these hypotheticals because I, yeah. I know we have people that are going to be very curious. Can I bring in? So let let's say I am a uh, I have my own online website um, based out of the U.S. Uh, can I aggregate and ship into, let's say, Germany, and inject the individual parcels into the parcel system? So I'm injecting at 19%, and then from there they they kind of scatter out. Through you or would I be then subject because I'm bringing it in in bulk? They catch you again because what they do then is they say you can bring the goods into Germany, but then you fall into a similar system. I'll just explain. When you import the goods in, if you have no place of business, don't still be goods in anywhere. It's called the import one-stop shop. If on the other hand, in your scenario, you bring the goods into Germany, you unpack them, stick, stick them into the postal system, you then have to register for a thing called the one-stop shop. You just drop the eye out of it. And that says then that you have one VAT registration in Germany, but you have to account for VAT according to the destination of where all the goods go to. So you're in the same position as you were under the importation one-stop shop. Okay. Um, so when we're, when we're looking at pricing, does the same rules of self-reporting apply for the VAT like it does in the UK? Yeah, you you have the same situation. I mean, you'll if you um, if you're caught by this, you'll have a VAT registration. Now, interesting thing is, if you use the import one-stop shop, you can register anywhere in the EU. It doesn't even matter if you trade there. Um, and then you do a quarterly VAT return, which shows all the VAT that you've charged to all the customers in every different country. So we, as a company, would prepare a VAT return, and we would say to people at the end of three months. Give us a spreadsheet, 26 columns, 
26 entries for each country telling what the value of your sales are. We'll work out the tax. We'll put that on the tax return. We'll pay it to, let's just say, the French tax authority, and they will distribute the money all around Europe. That is up to like $180. Over $180, what happens then is that the goods come in, and instead of you declaring on a VAT return, VAT is paid at import. So you're still charging your customer same amount of money. You're just paying it to the tax authority in a different way. Up to $180, you pay it on a tax return. You have to be registered. Over $180, it gets paid at importation. The importation is in the name of the customer, but you as the vendor settle the tax bill on behalf of the customer out of the money you've got from them in the first instance. So from the customer's perspective, he has no idea which way you're doing it. Right, right. Okay. And, and so you've got in, in the UK, just to kind of refresh the, the, the listener's mind. So the UK is, a, it was 135 pounds sterling, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you're saying it's 150 euros, which is- 150 euros in Europe, which is about $180 at today's exchange rates, $182 and a few cents today. Okay. And do those same rules apply in the EU that we talked about with the UK, where you have to figure in the fully landed costs, including freight into that, into that 150 euros? Yeah, it's, it's the VAT's due on the price that's payable by the customer. So it's what he buys it for on the website to be delivered to his door. Understood. And in terms of duties? If the goods are valued over uh, 150 euros, $180, then they fall into the customer's duty regime. Again, it depends on the type of goods and where the goods originate from, then depends on what rate of duty, if any rate of duty is payable on those goods. So um, you would need to go back, speak to your shipping agent and say to them, you know, this is, the, this is my commodity. Do I pay duty on those goods going in? Because if it's over the, um, the 150 threshold, then duty becomes an issue. The same as the UK, the other the other problem you have to be aware of is that the rules apply to individual consignments. So if a customer makes an order for three different items and you consolidate those into one package and each item is 100, then the value of the package is 300, which is in excess of the 150, and therefore VAT and customs duty becomes payable on that package. But if you sent three packages of 100, just the VAT, no customs duty because it's below 150, becomes payable on that item. So it's something you have to think about and probably factor into your pricing as well. Yeah. In your experience for the direct-to-consumer customers who have that product that would probably fall under that de minimis level, are you finding it's worth splitting that order up into two or three parts to, to get around that, well, that duty piece? I think the thing is that it's, it's not so much the customer as, as the vendor because um, the vendor is only going to get whatever he's going to get for those goods. Um and if it's a duty bill, then the vendor's going to pay the duty bill. So the customer will always say, look, why am I paying, if it's if it's $100, $200, why am I paying more if it's $200 than if I paid, you know, two items of $100? And, you you know, you have to then explain that. Well, of course, you don't. You still charge $200. It's just that what you do is you subsidize out that $200, the customer's duty. So your margin's reduced, profit's reduced. It's, it's always the vendor that's going to be the one that's going to pay it. 
Right. In that regard, though, when when you start to factor in, so if I take, if I have those three, let's just say shoes, where, where we have three pairs of shoes, each each pair is worth 100 euros with freight. When you have to offset that against parcel, because now you have three parcel shipments versus one, and yeah. then factor in the duty, what what are you finding? What do you find yourself recommending more to the customers, to your to the vendors that you're that you're advising, or, or to split it? Or is there is is it just not worth it because the, the freight is more expensive than the duty? The the problem becomes is it depends on what the commodity is because the commodity drives what the rate of duty is. Um, so if you've got a commodity that attracts a, a double digit um, rate of duty, then it becomes quite prohibitive because bear in mind that you start off with a cost of a hundred, and if you've got ten percent to put on there then that becomes obviously 110. And then you go by VAT on at 20% on the 110, whereas before you were running VAT on that 20% of 100. So you've got an additional 10, plus you've got an additional duty cost of effectively two on the 10 as well, if that, if that makes sense. So you've got an additional cost of 12 um, on those goods. So you have to, you have to do the maths, and it depends on the, on the percentages. If it's a... A 1% duty rate, it's not really worth your much. It's worth your while. But if it's possibly textiles, footwear, leather goods, that type of thing, may well be worth your while splitting the consignments. So it sounds like there's a fine line between deducting that VAT or increasing the price to keep that end user kind of engaged, right? Have you heard of merchants experiencing any downturn into those markets as a result of these changes? That are, without without shadow of I mean, there, there is all sorts of problems that are arising at the moment um, because one is um, the customers are finding out that they are now being charged, they think, more for the goods they were before. They think the goods got up in price because right. before they were seeing the price. And, I mean, th- there was also um, a concession which said that if goods were valued at less than €22, Euros, there was no tax, there was no duty to pay. Okay. Yeah, and what, what what was that called, Sean? That was low-value consignment relief. Right. Uh, LVCR, as they called it. Um, but anyway, yes. that went, now that will go on the 1st of July, the 22 euros. Well, of course, what was happening was that goods were coming in and rightly or wrongly were being um, valued at less than 22. Mm-hmm. So when the customer bought something, he only paid what he bought, you know, what he was... He only, paid, yeah, he only paid what he saw on the website. But, of course, what he's now finding out is if he goes on the website, is the price has suddenly gone up because VAT is having to be paid on it. Even if it's only 20, it's still got four to pay on it, so it's still gone up. Right. Um, so there is an additional cost in there. Now, the other side of things is that um, American, in particular, American vendors are saying, well, I don't want to get involved in the tax system in the EU, in the EU, you know, it's too much hassle. If my customers want to deal with it, then you know that's up to them. So what they're saying is deliver the goods to the end customer and get him to pay the VAT and the customs duty when you deliver it to him. So what now is happening is that in some instances, the postal operator is turning up at the door with a parcel and he's saying, "Well, I, I've got your um, your box of trainers, your sneakers here." Um, and actually they were a hundred, but there's 10% duty on top of that. So I need another 10 and there's 20% VAT on that. So I need another 22. So I actually need another 32 off you 
And oh, by the way, I'm going to charge you 10 for knocking on your door. So I now need 52 of you. So the, the customer suddenly says, whoa, hold on a minute. I'm not having that. Take it back. I don't want it. You know, I'm not going to pay yeah. And that yeah. is becoming a, a bigger issue um, with customers. And they're suddenly realizing the true cost of the goods. Because before, goods were coming in at a lot less, a lot cheaper value. There's a lot of, um, the UK has already, has already seen it. Um, Europe hasn't seen it yet because the rules don't come into the 1st of July. So, um, you know, and there, there will be, I mean, if there are any Bulgarian people listening, I apologise, but the idea of the postman turning up in the in some mountainous region in Bulgaria and demanding an extortionate amount of money of some poor individual out there isn't going to end too well, you know. So um, there is all those problems. So the rise of e-commerce really comes from the the brands doing a tremendous job of being as frictionless as possible and just making that customer experience so smooth and so seamless this sounds like at least a one to two giant steps backwards if, if well, it's, yeah but what it does is because as in the uk the big boys amazon ebay and such like will do all the vat accounting for the for the vendor um what that's doing is it's driving people onto the Amazons and the Ebays and selling their goods through those sites rather than dealing direct with the customer because there are obviously advantages. One is that they don't have to go into the tax system. I mean, obviously, they've got a distribution network through Amazon as well. So, you know, that that is happening, that people are abandoning their traditional delivery methods and then, you know, and going into maybe a, an FBA um, with Amazon. Um, or you know even seller fulfilled arrangements. So that the, there are there are pushes and pulls at the moment, and the market has got a lot of settling down to do as well. Well, it, it sounds like for simplicity purposes, you're almost better off saying, I'm either going to find a 3PL or use an Amazon within the EU, within the UK, bring it in, pay you know, uh, just absorb the uh, the 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 duty. Right, yeah. and and then just ship it within the EU or the UK, right? So just yeah. because then well, you can yeah. build it into your price. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the other thing that obviously we haven't touched on really, which is the which is the other price, which is is, is the cost of the compliance of doing it as well. And that's when it does become prohibitive because, unlike the UK, which only requires a tax agent, what the EU does is it requires you if you are registering to appoint a fiscal representative. Um, a fiscal representative becomes joint and severally liable for any debts that may be incurred. Now, of course, if you're a fiscal rep, you are paying for being a fiscal rep because you're taking on a potential liability. So that dramatically increases the cost for any non-EU business. And that applies as much to UK as it does to um, businesses out in the States as well. Well, explain, explain that to me a little bit further. So are, are you okay. are you implying that a, a an EU 3PL, for example, um, that receives in product in bulk has well, some sure. sort of, go ahead. No, I mean, uh, the way it will work is that if you are required to be registered in, in the EU as a, a foreign business, then you are required to appoint a tax representative to act for you. So you have the cost first off of the VAT registration, then you have the cost of the tax representative acting for you as a fiscal representative, so taking on your liabilities. And then the third cost is that they have to render the returns for you. So it's not 
that you have an option in this instance. You have to appoint somebody to do it for you, whether you like it or not, whereas you don't have to do that in the UK. So there's a big difference and cost-wise, significant difference as well, because, as I say, if somebody's taking on as a fiscal representative an unknown liability, then they want recompensing for taking on that unknown liability. Even if you use a 3PL um, or somebody else like that to store your goods, it doesn't get you out of having to be VAT registered. The only way you get out of VAT registered is if you use an online marketplace, because an online marketplace can store your goods and sell your goods and account for the tax of the tax authorities, and that takes you out of the out of the VAT net. But of course, that doesn't one size doesn't fit all. You know, I mean, and, that, and that's the problem. So we didn't touch on this for the UK episode, um, and I guess so I'm asking this question for, for both. So if I am a brand and I ship in, I'm just going to stick with the footwear because we've, we've been going that route for a while. So I'm, I'm a brand, I ship in two pairs of shoes. Trainers. Cus- trainers. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> the, the, it's the, the customer. Tea. Forgive right, me. It's the tea, exactly. <laughs> um, so the customer decides they only want one pair and they return the other. Can I draw back that VAT and those and any duties that I may have paid? Yeah, you can. You can, okay. Yeah, there, is a, there is a procedure to be able to draw that back. Um, and that, that that's something you would do on a, on a quarterly basis. As long as you ship the goods back outside the EU, assuming you do, or you destroy them. Um, I mean, you know, you, you the, the generally, you either have to destroy the goods or ship them back. And in some instances, vendors find out that, or the retailer finds out that it's easier to destroy them right. than to actually um, send them back. So they have to be destroyed under certain circumstances. But yeah, you can do that. Okay. And even if I'm using an online uh, uh, returns aggregator? Yeah. Um, um, okay. Again, yeah. I mean, well... Yeah, I mean, if you're doing that, I mean, what generally tends to happen is that um, if you've got returns and such like, you'll have a company that will deal with that for you. Yep. Um, they will do one of two things. They will arrange to um, destroy the goods or they will hold the goods until such time as they have a significant amount to justify or warrant sending the goods back with the costs and such like as well. So sometimes the goods may remain in country for three, six months. Correct. I mean, we, we we have some we have some return partners that we work with that ag- will aggregate the product yeah. and then and then bring it back to us in bulk into into one of our facilities. Yeah. And and so you can work a drawback program. Are you familiar? Yeah. Are there any are there any um, software programs that that a brand might be able to use to assist with that? Not really. I mean, because I mean, it, it tends to be because you give in the credit at the time. When then the tax authority will give you the credit when you pay the customer, and then all you have to be able to do is evidence that you've actually shipped the goods back. So as long as you've got a, um, evidence of uh, a manifest bill of bill of lading that um, shows the goods going back, then that will satisfy the tax authority. Okay, and that falls under the same bucket of the self-reporting. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, so that that can be done quarterly or. Yeah, if the duty duty is um, a separate um, a separate procedure. But you can get it back if you're if you're going to do that as well. Great, Caitlin. Any other questions that I that I may not have covered? No, I think as we kind of come to a close here, um, wrapping it all, tying the first episode together with the last. I know we spoke about a lot of different things: the EORI, the EORI number, the VAT number. Sean, what would you say? are the three most important ways that an e-commerce store can prepare for these changes if they haven't already? 
Well, the first thing I would say is that if they're selling into the into the EU or even into the UK and they're not using an online marketplace, they should be registered. That's okay. number one. Make sure right. that they get that done. Even though the new scheme is coming 1st of July, they need to be applying for it now because it's going to take the time to get that um, up and running. Two is they need to review their pricing um, to make sure that they're maintaining their profit margins in view of the amount of tax and potentially duty that they're going to pay. Um, and three is they need to make sure the software is up to um, making sure they can report the information as well. So they need to work with whoever their service provider is to establish exactly what information they will need so as they can provide that on a timely basis. Because generally in Europe, you've only got uh, three weeks, more often than not, in which to make in which to report the um, the transactions, maybe four weeks at maximum. So it's a fairly quick turnaround. Um, and as a service provider, we know that the last thing we want is everybody giving us the information on the 31st day of the month and expect us to get the returns in and everything else on time because that isn't going to happen. Yeah. So it sounds so like homework, homework, homework. Get ahead of the curve or else your competitors just going to be shipping in and scooping up your customers with, I mean, I'll tell you as a consumer, if a, if a parcel carrier showed up and asked me for an extra 35, 50 bucks, forget it. I don't know that I'd ever shop at that store again. I, I, I don't know how that'll pan out. But. That's a big problem, Kate. I mean, that, that, you know, that's what people are finding is that there is a massive resistance to that because, you know, you're paying, you're paying somebody $10 to knock on your door, you know, and that's, uh, that has never gone well. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like all of these things, what you have to do is you have to do all the preparation. If you get it all right at day one, it's okay. If you mess it up on day one, you might be three years down the road and you finish up with a big tax bill. And that's the last thing you want. Understood. Right. No, very valuable information. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, a frictionless is what's the success of e-commerce. Also setting expectations with the customers. So when the customers buy something, they know that that's their final price. Having somebody show up with an extra bill is not going to go over well. Yeah, I think, I think you know, and I mean, the other thing that you will find out is that, um, and I will say is that in the, in the States, you very much do pricing as price and tax. And what I would say to you is people price it as the total price. We don't do tax, price and tax in the in, in the EU or in the UK. We just do total price. If we start seeing the tax, then we start moaning because then we right. realise how much we're paying. The whole idea by the government is that we're not supposed to know how much tax we're paying. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's the gem right there, right? Yeah, right. all in one price. Yes. Yeah. Why split it out? Don't show the math. Right. <laughs> Well, Sean, this has been fantastic. I know we could really go down a rabbit hole with a lot of this stuff, but uh, that's why they pay you the big bucks to to, to come in and, and help them sort all this stuff out. So, yeah, so appreciate it. Then send them my way. I'm, I'm hey, happy, uh, happy to educate them. A thousand percent. So, anybody that wants to reach out to Sean King at KingVat LTD, uh, we'll have links that we'll, we'll, we'll post with podcast. Uh, obviously, you've, now this will be our second episode in a row with Sean. And he clearly knows his stuff. He's been doing this for a long time. Uh, and he is a tax expert in the EU and the UK. Uh, so, Sean, appreciate you coming on. I, I will leave you with this. The English tea gives me a little bit of cotton mouth. I'm not going to lie. So, <laughs> I, oh, oh, Brian, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like they, I may I may need a cold beer now. It's only it's only about uh, ten thirty in the morning here, but I need something to wash that down. 
I told me, as you see, I mean, I could comment on Budweiser, but I better not. Had I? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, appreciate it. Again, Sean, thanks for coming on. Uh, Caitlin, you want to take us out? Sure. Thank you so much, Sean, for joining us again. Love this bonus episode. Guys, tune in next week, which is going to be June 3rd. Um, thereafter, we're going every other Thursday. You can subscribe at sippinandshipping.com or check us out on your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever works. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe. Love to have you guys here. We'll talk soon. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you in the States, because this is coming on right before Memorial Day weekend, have a great long weekend, everybody. Take care. 